Hey, welcome once again to Voice of Reason Radio. Your host, Chris Honholtz and Richard Story. We're back. Uh, we're joining you on this March 26, 2022. Thank you for being with us. I am so glad to have you back, brother. Um, the last two weeks, have not been able to do uh, anything with Rich, um, except the occasional uh, texting exchange online or on the phones. Um, I was gone. I was, uh, you know, at the Shepherds Conference, and that's when Chris Huff was so kind to to do an episode with me. And they came back, and then, well, Rich had and family had issues, and then we had like three volunteers to jump up, and it took three volunteers to even come close to replacing Rich. <laughs> so um, now I have Rich back, yay! Which is nice because I know y'all don't want to just listen to me. Although it, it, it would seem that there are some out there that want to listen to me even less. Um, Twitter, really. <laughs> <laughs> I I got grounded for twelve hours by Twitter because um, and Rich I know you're gonna object you're probably the one that reported me because I know you hate when I say this um, I I just simply said hot you know if you wanted if you want to use hot sauce you might as well pour gasoline in your mouth and light your mouth on fire and I got grounded by Twitter for promoting self harm and they would not appeal it they would not overturn their decision that was that was literally their their quote in the, in their email to me they would not overturn my, their decision. And I was locked out for 12 hours. So maybe some of you were spared uh, a little bit more of my my rambling nonsense. Um, but yeah, that was that was interesting. I, apparently, Twitter doesn't. They're, they're a bunch of humorless dolts. That's that's what Twitter is. Um, I've decided. But anyway, I'm glad to have uh, you back, Rich. Glad to uh, to have you with us and uh, and all the listeners. Folks, this is just really wonderful that you you continue to tune in every week. Want to remind you, I know Andrew was kind enough to give you a full explanation of what the Christian Co- podcast community is. He gave that to you last episode, and if you didn't listen to last episode when Andrew was on, what's wrong with you? Stop this and go back and listen to last episode. Um, but we are part of the Christian co- podcast community, a bunch of like-minded podcasters, Christians uh, who ha- have come together to help kind of promote one another pr- promote good teaching good podcasting and uh, help each other out with with uh ideas that we can share with one another and and help build each other up and produce good content for all of you guys so please check out christian podcast community you will find tons of good stuff on there and then of course check out our uh, website slave to the king.com that is where you will find all the things that uh, relate to voice of reason radio including our uh, Patreon page, our links to where you can get uh, t-shirts for the show, that if you want to sh- uh, promote the show, um, you can have our contact information, our social media, you can sign up and be a follower, and so we encourage all of that. And I'm getting better at this. I'm getting that down shorter and shorter, I think, each time. So that's awesome. So <laughs> I have not been able to say this in two weeks, so I've got to say it this time. Brother Rich, how are you doing this week? Better than I deserve. Amen. Brother. And I, w- I was going to comment, but I didn't think I was allowed to speak until after you asked me how was <laughs> I doing, because evidently there, there's several listeners that have come to associate that with, with me. And for full disclosure, I did not invent that term or come up with it. I'm sure the brother I got it from got it from someone else, but it seems to have stuck. So, um, you know do what you want with that but <laughs> you and andrew were far too kind in thinking that it would take three people to replace me i mean andrew 
inserted me in the show through sound previous sound bites. And I'm and I and I know that it was last minute him coming on, but I'm not real sure how he managed to come up with sound bites that fit in the discussion you guys were having. And the fact that he has so many sound bites of us is a little bit scary. I mean, <laughs> at this point, he he probably could put a show together and do audio clips of both of us and neither one of us be present when we did it. So that that's a little bit, I don't know, a little bit creepy, I guess. But um, do you realize next month we will start season six of Voice of Reason Radio? Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day. I have not thought about it in terms of seasons. I don't know where podcasting develops seasons. That's interesting. Um, yes, yeah, six years of doing this. That That is mind-blowing when you stop and think about it, the, that the Lord has been patient with us, the two of us, for six years of doing this program. And um, and, and and not only the Lord, but all you listeners. But yeah, that, that hit me not long ago, is that we are literally coming up on having been doing this for six years. That blows my mind. Yeah, I kind of like the thinking of it in terms of seasons. That's we, we may have to incorporate that somehow <laughs> into the show starting season six, which will be about this time next month. Yeah, about that, yeah. But it, it's, uh, I've truly been blessed by you and the listeners and the guests that we've had. And I do thank everyone for listening. And I would like to thank everyone that has been praying for my family. I've had different family members dealing with different health issues lately. Um, one of which is, is my daughter. She developed a really bad case of mono and she's been dealing with an inflamed spleen to the point where the doctors were concerned that it possibly could rupture. But I'm thankful to report that she went back to the doctor the other day and they did indicate that it, the swelling had started to go down. So we're thankful for that. Um, and for those that don't know, my daughter and her husband, they have three children and the oldest one just turned six. So they've, they've got them aged from six down to three months. So you can only imagine how <laughs> strange, stressful of a situation that could be because she's not to pick up anything or pick up the children or be on her feet very long. And my daughter, as much as I love her, is a little bit hard-headed. And she's at that point now to where she's feeling better and she's getting a little bit too springy for her own good at times <laughs> so uh, l let me get this let me get this straight you're surprised that your biological daughter who has half of your genetics is hard-headed yeah i can't see that well <laughs> yeah well um the other half is just as hard-headed because <laughs> my wife was not as hard-headed as she is, she would never have put up with me for 27 years. So um, my, my daughter got a really good double dose of that. And bless her heart, my wife, she, my wife, and I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the show or not, but my wife has a condition similar to lupus. And over the last couple of weeks, she's been fighting the cold and flu type thing. And anything like that will affect her other condition. And bless her heart, she's been trying to take care of herself and me and, helping our daughter and our grandkids and our son-in-law and her own parents. And she's just gotten to the point completely exhausted herself. So it's yeah. just been a hectic and a lot of prayers over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> so I just wanted to thank the listeners again for all of their prayers and concerns and 
the messages that I received let me know that they'd be praying for the family and how much it's helped and how much I do appreciate it. But um, as always, pray for my wife and Chris's wife because they have to put up with both of us. 24 7 so yeah <laughs> that can be a chore in itself oh yeah no it's, it's a chore doesn't even begin to describe it so <laughs> if you t- you've heard of the patience of job job we love you but you, you you ain't got nothing on our wives having to put up with us um <laughs> i'm gonna get in trouble for that uh, so but we are we're just grateful to have you back brother um and i'm sorry i i stand by it 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 in my opinion it would take all three of those pastor podcasters to replace you because as, as much as I love all of those and I was not trying to drop names. Thanks a lot, Andrew. Uh, it, really, it felt like bad form, you know, I, I'm not going to, you know, and then, and then not only does Andrew drop, you know, Dr. White's name on the program, I haven't had the show posted five minutes when Gene Clyde goes, I can't believe that, you know, uh, you know, I, I got left out, but, you know, at least I know that Dr. White got left out, too. <laughs> and I'm like, you guys, <laughs> you doing here? You guys are publicly outing me. <laughs> it's just, oh, man. Just think of it this way, brother. If Just imagine, these are brothers that love you. Just imagine if they disliked oh, you, what the, <laughs> what the fallout would I, be. I'll tell you, just, can I just say something else? Okay, y'all say that you like me. If that's the case, can I just ask one thing of all y'all? Quit using me as a magic uh, or lucky rabbit's foot on these book giveaways. I'm not kidding. You know, you, you say this is all the stuff. You know, even Doctor White tries to see, see they like you. Yeah, yeah. When you get you you when you get your name tagged 16 times by one person in a book giveaway, I swear I'm going to be blacklisted by Crossway and and and, and Westminster Theological Seminary because I'm going to think <laughs> I'm putting y'all up to this. Y'all need to stop. <laughs> You guys are crazy. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I genuinely uh, love everybody. I'm grateful for The good-natured Rabin is fun. Having 30 of you do it at once, a little much. Uh, <laughs> but, um, in general, I don't mind the good-natured Rabin. It just cracked me up. I'm like, I was going to be polite. I'm, I am going to do the right thing. I'm not going to name drop. Everybody did it for me. So... <laughs> Like thanks a lot. Anyway, so but if it's I would as nice as and as fun as it is to have all those guys on, um, ain't nobody else I want to go through this fight with other than you, brother. So glad to have you back. Oh, that's too kind. Yeah, that's too kind. So all right, so did our usual ten minute ramble. (laughs) So (laughs) we're we're in the groove already. Do you want to take an attempt at uh, at the transition? Are you feeling up yes. to that? Okay, let's do it. <laughs> yes, but but this transition is going to be more like a dive off of a cliff. Because, <laughs> um, the 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 velvet from the hammer has been taken off, wadded up, and thrown in a garbage can. <laughs> so um, we're coming out swinging, and you'll understand why in a moment. But I happened to come across this this past week, and I had posted it. I think. It was on Facebook, and it really didn't seem to register with much of anyone, but I found it very impactful, and I think this says it all when it comes to the state of American evangelicalism today, but it was something that a website had put together, and I I apologize, I don't have the link in front of me, but it's a sinner's prayer according to Puritan biblical theology, 
And the author of this put together what, in their mind, would have been a sinner's prayer presented by Jonathan Edwards. So you can imagine already what this is going to contain. But this is a sinner's prayer according to Puritan biblical theology. And, you know, we're, we're all familiar with the sinner's prayer. But if there ever was a sinner's prayer besides Psalm 51, this would be it. It, 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 here it goes. Dear God, whom I hate with all my being precisely because you hate and threaten me with hell, I hate this punishment perhaps even more than I hate you. Or maybe I should say that I love my comfort even more than I hate you. For that reason, I am asking a favor of you. I want you to make me love you, whom I hate, even when I ask this, and even more because I have to ask this. I am being frank with you because I know it is no use to be otherwise. You know even better than I how much I hate you and that I love only myself. It is no use for me to pretend to be sincere. I most certainly do not love you and do not want to love you. I hate the thought of loving you, but that is what I'm asking because I love myself. If you can answer this prayer, I guess the gift of gratitude will come with it. And then I will be able to do what I would not think of doing. Thank you for making me love you, whom I hate. Amen. <laughs> now, what in the world does that have to do with tonight's episode? Well, from there, and I came across this also, and I paraphrased it. You know, man wants to claim free will. They want to think that everything is right in a person's own eyes. Man clings to his free will, clings to his free thought, free liberty of expression. But free will does not want God's free will. Mm -hmm. Think about that. Man wants his free will, but does not want God's free will. Because in God's free will, he is sovereignty and is the definer and gets to define what is and what is not sin. And this world hates God because he only allows, in, within his creation, he only allows male and female. In the book of Genesis, he, cre- he said, it states he created them male and female. And since, according to his will, just like in the sinner's prayer, they love themselves more than they love God, even those that profess to be Christians, in truth, they actually hate God and call him a liar because especially within American evangelicalism today, there's so many that are in the camp supporting homosexuality, transgenderism, and all of that. And the truth be known, when a man claims to be a woman, what he's actually doing is calling God a liar and saying that he hates God from making him in a man, making him to be a man instead of being a woman, which he would actually prefer in his love of self. So that 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 is my intro. <laughs> so you can take it from there. And if people haven't figured out yet, tonight's topic is what is a woman. Yeah. And we're going to kind of get into that from from what the Bible say, says and from what the world says. But as Chris goes into the subject from here, and I'm sure everyone's familiar with where we're going with this, and hopefully I can clarify this later. But the the candidate for Supreme Court judge, when she could not define what a woman mm-hmm. is, 
there's a reason why she could not define what a woman is. Because in culture and society, the word woman is a subjective term. But when we get to digging into the word female, that cannot be subjective because Mm -hmm. God has already ordained who is and who is not male or female. Yeah. Take it from here, brother. Exactly. No, it's it's exactly it. And that's really kind of the the kind of leaping off point that we're starting with. And by the way, that was a fantastic Puritan Sinner's Prayer. Chris Huff, I hope you uh, I hope you like that one. Um, Chris Huff is like our resident, like total loves the Puritans, you know, fellow podcaster. Uh, but this, uh, this recent event, it's kind of the big story in the news. And the reason we're t- doing this is not to take a pot shot at the political leftists. It's really to bring it back to the issue of really the sovereignty of God over creation. And the scenario that's played itself out, uh, I think, is a, is a great opportunity to address that issue. So go back to uh, you know earlier this week when uh, Judge Kintaji Brown-Jackson, I hope I'm saying her name correctly, uh, is going through the Senate confirmation hearings for Supreme Court justice. Now, mind you, Judge, uh, Judge Jackson was specifically appointed because the sitting president of the, of the United States, uh, Joe Biden, specifically said that he would appoint, appoint a black woman as a Supreme Court justice. I mean, he narrowed the field right down to a specific gender and ethnic background. Okay, so, And so kind of interesting that he would say that, and then this was the exchange that occurred during the Senate confirmation hearings. So Senate Senator Marsha Blackburn asked, and, and by the way, uh, uh, Denny Burke has a pretty good article on this. I'll put it in the show notes. It's uh, The article is, Do You Know What a Woman Is? Kentaji Brown-Jackson doesn't. And he actually draws a conclusion in this that I think you and I are, are in agreement on, is that Judge Jackson absolutely does know, and there are reasons why she does not uh, offer up an actual answer. But the exchange, he, he puts the exchange in his article here where he says, uh, Senator Blackburn asks, do you ad- agree with Justice Ginsburg that there are physical differences between men and women that are enduring? Okay, so mind you, Judge, you know, uh, Senator Blackburn is not going to some far right definition, not using, not pulling up a, a, a religious definition. She's actually, I think that's pretty smart in my opinion, going to someone that Judge Jackson would identify with. You know, someone who was considered by many, unfortunately, a respected Supreme Court justice. So she she's drawing from something that Judge Jackson should be able to go, yep, I understand where you're coming from. Yes, I agree. No, I don't. This should be really, really simple. Judge Jackson says, um, Senator, respectfully, I'm not familiar with that particular quote or case. It's hard for me to comment as to whether, and then she stopped. I find it difficult to believe that a uh, person sitting in front of a Senate to be confirmed as a Supreme Court justice would not be familiar with the uh, with what Justice Ginsburg uh, has ruled on. I find that a bit difficult to believe, but we'll give her we'll give her that. Senator Blackburn, okay. Do you interpret Justice Ginsburg meaning of men and women as male and female? So, okay, maybe you're not entirely familiar with the context of the quote, but Judge Justice Ginsburg has defined man and woman as male and female. So do you do you interpret that meaning that way? 
Jackson. Again, because I don't know the case, I don't know how I'd interpret it. I'd need to read the whole Blackburn. Okay, can you provide a definition for the word woman? So now, you know, Judge Jackson's kind of going, I don't feel comfortable responding to these questions because I don't know the context of the case and what she's saying. So, okay, fine. How about you explain? What do you think is the definition of the word woman? Judge Jackson, can I provide a definition? No. Blackburn, yeah? Uh, Jackson, I can't. Blackburn, you can't? Jackson, mm, not in this context. I'm not a biologist. Now, interesting exchange. Judge, or, yeah, Judge Jackson is faced with a question that should be a simple, straightforward Here's a, a, a Supreme Court justice recently that in recent history has passed away. Most people are familiar with her. She herself, even though she was a very liberal-minded individual, recognized the difference between men and women and that it stated that those differences are enduring. Do you agree with that? Uh, oh, you won't answer it because you don't know the context. Well, would you, agree, do, would you in, interpret her, her to say that men and women are identified as male and female? Oh, you're not willing to say. Okay. How about you explain it? Now, this is a person who's sitting before the Senate confirmation hearing, or the senators in this confirmation hearing, who wants to be a Supreme Court justice. You're being asked something that really has specific meaning in a court of law. You know, there are there are criminal actions that impact men and women, in which. Legal definitions are required. What is a man? What is a woman? You are talking about civil cases that deal with men and women. So you would be expect a person presenting themselves to be, uh, you know, confirmed as a Supreme Court justice to be answered to be able to answer a specific question like this, because that's going to tell us whether this person's competent enough to be able to sit on the Supreme Court. Judge Jackson punted. Utterly punted. She did not want to respond to any of those questions. Why? And I, I again, I think that um, the, this quote here from Denny Burke, I think it goes to the heart of what we would believe that uh, Judge Jackson, where she stands. He says, I have a hunch that Judge Jackson knows what a woman is. She understands at some level that the fundamental difference between a man and a woman is the body's organization for reproduction. A man's reproductive capacity is ordered toward fathering. A woman's reproductive capacity is ordered toward mothering. I suspect this that because, or I suspect that she knows this at some level because it's what everyone held to be self-evident until the day before yesterday. So she knows. She understands. There's a reason why she's not going to respond to this. And I think the argument goes back to what we've seen, Rich, over the course of the last several years uh, with the, you know, I think it started under President Obama with the transgender movement. And now our now sitting President Biden has referred to the transgender movement as the civil rights era of our time. And so if she answers the legal definition or even the Merriam-Webster definition which is a an adult female an, uh, an adult female person let me see if i can find that make sure i say that yep miriam webster dictionary defines it as an adult female person if she gives that definition everybody who's part of the trans uh, movement who has been promoting the trans movement will absolutely lose their minds 
because that goes back to the bi you know the, the the binary which they absolutely hate meaning that there's only two sides male or female uh, it also uh, does not allow for the possibility that a male could be female or that a female could be male. Um, so therefore, if you give that answer, you're, everybody who's on the leftist progressivist side is going to immediately demand she step down from the confirmation hearing because she's not inclusive. However, if she answered in a more inclusivist generic form, something that would allow for these things, of course, the Republicans in the Senate and conservatives across the nation would do exactly uh, what we would expect them to do. This is an individual who is seeing, looking to legislate from the bench. This person is now trying to expand the definition of what a woman is. So what does she do? She punts. I, I, I don't know that I can give an, a definition. I'm not a biologist, which interesting as Denny Burke points out, it's interesting that she appeals to the science scientist, the biologist, um, and says, well, that's how you would you would know well science for generations has defined woman as as an adult female person pointing to the reproductive capacity pointing to the uh you know the um the xx chromosomes pointing to many many things that would actually define someone as a female so with that in mind rich i i, I think this is a good launching off point for us to discuss this issue because this is an ongoing and and continue like a, a, it is the the pebble that started an avalanche starting to roll down uh, the hill and pick up steam and we're watching it come at the church. So with that in mind, before we go any further, what what thoughts do you have with with what we did the whole scenario we're we're dealing with at the moment? Well, <clears throat> one thing we need to become aware of is that we're not witnessing the reemergence of the philosophy of ex existentialism, but it has been there for several years. Mm -hmm. And it's just become more obvious with this Supreme Court nominee's answers, because this is not, this is nothing new. And in that article, Denny Burke said prior to yesterday, we knew what a man and a woman was. Well, what I said earlier about the term woman being subjective, when it comes to culture and society, the term woman can be subjective because you ask a true born, true born again Christian lady, what is a biblical woman? She will give you a different answer than the most vile feminist because in a feminist mind, a woman is this, this, and this. In a Christian's mind, a woman is this, this, and this. Both are based on what they do rather than what they are biologically. And the problem with her answer is, I can't tell you what a woman is or the answer to the question, what is a woman? The reason she has, that she had the problems answering that is not because she doesn't know, but it's because of all the existential teachings that are prevalent today within major universities. Mm -hmm. And briefly, what ex existentialism believes is it's a belief that we're born without purpose into a world that makes no sense. But each person has the ability to create his or her own sense of meaning and peace. Our individual purpose and meaning is not given to us by God's governments, teachers, or other authorities. We define what we are according to what we want and what we like. 
And sadly, most people don't realize this, but during, during what was called the second wave of feminism, which came about in the mid to late 1940s, there was an author, and she was, she's, in some circles, she's renowned and considered as big as Nietzsche and some of these other you know, philosophers and, and worldly thinkers. She wrote a book called The Second Sex, and it was written by Simone de Beauvoir. I think I said that pretty close to right. But this book was published in 1949. And like I said, even among major universities today, her writings are still held as, you know, wow, 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 because of what she spoke about in her books in the 40s. And some consider, consider her the mother of the modern-day feminist movement, especially as it applies to gender studies and today's feminist and, and today's way of thinking. But one of her most famous assertions is, one is not born, but rather becomes a woman. By this, Bovar means to destroy the essentialism which claims that women are born feminine according to, what, according to whatever the culture and time define it to be, but are rather constructed to be such through social indoctrination. Using a wide array of accounts and observations, the first book of two traces the education of woman from her childhood through her adolescence and finally to her experiences experiences of lesbianism and sexual initiation. And I'll stop right there. But this was laid out in her examination of feminism and existentialism back in the 40s. Now, let's jump ahead a few decades. Today, major universities, even seminaries among these universities, are holding to and teaching what's called critical gender studies, or in other terms, critical gender theory, where we are very familiar with critical race theory. Critical gender theory addresses transgenderism, homosexuality. How can we define and determine who is and who is not a woman? How is sexuality determined? Um, at Duke University's Divinity School, you can take a program or take a course that's called Certificate in Gender, Sexuality, Theology, and Ministry. And in this, one of the details that talks about the work of the GTSM program also extends beyond the certificate into, into developing new courses that use the study of gender and sexuality as a primary analytical lens. There's that word, analytical, SBC, Resolution 9, fostering scholarship and academic dialogue across fields and positions, bringing guest lecturers to Duke Divinity School, sponsoring training and pastoral response to domestic violence, and encouraging the community to engage with students' work at the senior level. And this is exactly what you would think it is. It's a study of gender, sexuality, as it applies to theology and ministry, meaning it all goes back to, well, if this person claims this person is a male but claims to be a woman, what and how should we address this person? What should we say to him? Should we embrace it? Should we not embrace it? And I'm just barely skimming across what some of these terms actually mean. But it's, it all goes back to the fact that in the world today, even within professing churches, they're seeking sources outside of the Bible to try to define 
theological terms according to what society deems it should be instead of what the Bible actually says it is. Now, some of the other universities that have started, and you can get degrees in these different critical gender studies, but I came across Duke, Harvard, Cambridge, Princeton, Yale, all the major Ivy League League colleges and their divinity schools are teaching these studies. And this is exactly how CRT started Mm -hmm. before infiltrating the SBC like we know it to be and the numerous episodes that our brothers Daryl and Virgil have done renouncing CRT. I hope that Daryl and Virgil will hear this and pick up and start doing some episodes on critical gender theory because I'm truly convinced that where CRT was a thunderstorm, CGT will be a hurricane that infiltrates the church because the progressive argument as it applies to should a woman should a woman preach this will be the next thing because some of these churches and denominations will start using critical gender theory to claim yes a woman can be a preacher because according to society and according to certain verses that they take and twist out of context they'll be able to say well there's no there's no longer man or female Anyone that feels called to preach should be able to preach. And we look across the landscape of America today and how many churches can we find that embrace homosexuality, transgenderism? How many different churches have lesbian bishops or you know pastors, preachers, whatever title you want to put on them? And they twist scripture and verses such as there's neither male nor male nor Jew or Greek, Jew or Greek, and use that and pervert it to say that, well, men and women both can be pastors. Well, the next step in that argument is going to be using, quote-unquote, analytical tools such as critical gender theory to legitimize their claims that anyone that feels called to preach should be able to preach, regardless of what the rest of Scripture says, because they'll just wad it up and throw it out the window. And where CRT has tried to use critical race theory to legitimize reparations and all these other type of things, CGT is going to try to legitimize women preaching and homosexual and transgender behavior Mm -hmm. outside of the Word of God because, back to what we said before, God created men and women. Men have a certain role and women have a certain role. God's Word has not changed in the last 2,000 years since Christ walked the earth. His word is everlasting. It does not change, will not change, and will never change. He is the same God today as he was at the beginning of creation, and his word still means what he intended it to mean, not what we want it to mean. And my point in all of this is, there's a reason this Supreme Court nominee could not answer that question. First, because she was not basing it on biblical definitions, and where Science wants to be subjective in their determination of male and female because society wants them Mm -hmm. to be subjective because the term woman can be subjective depending on what culture you're in. The real question should have been, what is a female? Because regardless of anything else, regardless of what society or culture deems to be a woman or a biblical woman or a strong woman or a feminist woman or whatever else, the truth still remains. 
you're either male or female. Mm-hmm. And I told you, I think I sent you this in, in our notes. You know, you can put a $1,000 gown on a sow, but it's still going to be a pig. No matter mm-hmm. how expensive clothing you put on it, you can change the name, but you're not going to change what it is in its substance. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there, and it may get me in some trouble. But no matter what conclusions, critical gender theory or critical gender studies come to, only a biological female will ever be able to pee on a stick and pop positive as pregnant, period. <laughs> I don't care how deceived a man is or di- diminished in his thinking or delinquent in his thinking. And as you pointed out disturbingly in pre-show, a gentleman that was claiming to have menstrual cramps, a lot gentleman is being too gracious, but a man claiming to have menstrual cramps because he's transgender. No, he's not. He's mentally disturbed. And I don't care how many women's clothes he puts on, how much makeup he puts on, how many surgeries he has. He will still always be a man because there will be no natural way that man could ever test positive when it comes to a pregnancy test. Amen. Period. And that's exactly it. Um, I'm putting that quote, by the way, about the thousand dollar gown on the on on uh, on a sow on Twitter right now. <laughs> um, but that that's exactly it. Um, I, I I applaud um, I applaud Senator Blackburn for trying to make. I think the point you you just said, the question being, what is a female? Because she actually says. Well, would you understand, would you interpret Justice Ginsburg's statement about men and women to mean male and female? So I applaud her for recognizing that and, 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 and putting that out there. And I think you've absolutely, absolutely nailed it. The entire climate that we're facing right now, the entire climate that has been going on for so long in, uh, in America and in, in so many Western nations, is this attempt to redefine to obfuscate, to to create a broad-based uh, tr- um, spectrum when it comes to issue of gender and sex and biology, and I believe it goes right back to as you said, it's it's a it's a thumb in the eye to, a, 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 of God. They're trying to redefine that which God has designed and determined. And so that's really the that's the really the biggest problem. And, and yes, a, a, absolutely, it was. Um, I saw this r- running around on Twitter today, and I couldn't I couldn't believe it. There's an individual, and I'm not going to share the thing because I don't want everybody to go after this person, uh, especially because having looked at their page, um, this is a person that's not open at all to ra- uh, any kind of reason or rationality. Um, but the quote from the individual was, okay, I'm a trans woman, no, you're a man, trying to pretend you're a woman, who's experiencing her first period cramps and then crass statement. I have literally never felt pain like this. Why do we let people live like this? Um, you don't have the actual internal plumbing. You, You don't. You don't have the mechanisms to have menstrual cramps. That's not possible. That is delusional. 
And yet, as somebody pointed out today, at least at the time I saw it being shared, there was as many as 63,000 likes on this post. Now, I don't know how many other responses. I did see some that were in indicative of people going, hey, wake up. You don't have the internal plumbing for this. This isn't, this isn't menstrual cramps. This person absolutely refuses any sense of uh, correction. None. And it goes back to what you were saying, the whole existential uh, ideology. As far as this person is concerned, if, if they're feeling terrible cramps in their stomach, that has to be, because they're a woman, that has to be menstrual cramps. There can be no other definition. Because if this individual acknowledges that they're not menstrual cramps, then this person recognizes a specific biological difference that they can never overcome. They can't. It's not going to happen. And so they recognize this, they understand this, and that is why there is such a push to redefine. That's why uh, Judge Jackson is not willing to answer this. She knows what will happen if she if she steps into that ring and gives an answer. As you said, in it, this, this nation is inundated with this ideology. She steps out of and says it's this or it's that. She's going to affirm something that's going to cause massive political upheaval. And um, so why is this important? Why does this matter to us? We recognize that Judge Jackson is not going to use biblical definitions. We recognize that the vast majority of Washington, politically conservative or leftist, is not going to use biblical definitions. So why does it matter? Well, this is why. Sorry, I had to get a drink of water there. This is why. There is one person who has determined what is male and what is female, and that's God. God is the one who has determined, designed, created humanity to include our sexes, our gender, our biological differences. How do we know this? This is very, very clear. Okay, Unless you're a leftist, progressivist, who denies the inerrancy, the infallibility, the inspiration and sufficiency of Scripture, this is extremely clear. Going back to Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 27. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over birds of, of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, as Scott Aniel said on Twitter, good enough for me. Okay, God is the sovereign creator. He has designed, created, and, in, and intended for us to be male and female by his design. And then, to take it one step further, he created male and female for a specific purpose. Going to chapter 2, verses 18 to 23. Then God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens, and he brought them to, man, to, to the man to see what he would call them. And, he, and whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. 
The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up, it closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. God made man and woman to be in this lifelong covenant relationship. He made them fit for one another. And woman was drawn out of man. As as one pastor once said to me, have you ever noticed what men aren't, women are, and vice versa? And when they come together as one flesh in marriage, they are completing one another. So God made man and woman and determined that they would come together in union for one another, for his purposes, and for his glory. So what you have is God, the creator, the ruler, the sovereign designer of the universe who has the right to determine what is male and female. He is the one who has established this. So when we try to redefine gender, sex, etc., we're actually telling God he doesn't have that right. We're actually rebelling against God. That's actually the definition of sin, by the way. When you seek to unseat God from his throne and try to set yourself in his place. So when someone says, like the individual on Twitter, I am a trans woman, you are saying to God, I, you didn't create me the right way. I know what I am. I have determined it. In fact, I can delusionally imagine that the cramps that I'm feeling... Whether this person is really feeling cramps or not, this could be also be dishonest. But assuming for a minute this person is having some sort of intestinal problem, I can, I can even to convince myself and force others to be believed to believe that I am having something I am physically incapable of having menstrual cramps. That is telling God, you do not define what I am. You have no right to. I am sovereign. I have decided who I am. And that is the biggest hey, problem. Yes. It goes right back to the beginning of the show. I hate you because mm-hmm. you are God. And I love me because I think I should be God. I think I should be the God of my own creation. It's exactly what was in that Puritan sinner's mm-hmm. prayer. I, God, I hate you. And whether they admit it or not, whether they say it or not, in, they, in their heart, they hate God, because mm-hmm. they love themselves more than they love the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. And I want to put this out there real quick before I forget, because we're going to try to keep this show rather tight tonight. Someone may listen to this and think, well, you're being intolerant. You're being narrow-minded. Sir, madam, I got news for you. There's a reason that Christ said the way is narrow that leads to heaven. <laughs> I have to be narrow-minded because the path to heaven is that narrow. Amen. And in order to stay on the middle of that path, I have to be narrow-minded. I have to cling to what God has said. I can't be willing to embrace every thought, every imagination of man, every God created in man's imagination or hands, every worldly or secular philosophy or theory. I'm not worried about making you feel comfortable in your sin 
as a Christian and a proclaimer of God's way of salvation, it's my duty given by Christ as an ambassador in Christ, entrusted with the ministry of reconciliation. It's my job to proclaim to you the truths of God's Word, because it is my job to make you see and make you uncomfortable in your sin. My job as a Christian is not to leave you in, in your sin, but to beg you to plead and reach out to Christ and ask him to forgive you for your sin. And it's also in my place to beg Christ to grant you forgiveness of your sin. Amen. It's not my place. It's not my job to leave you in your sin. My job is to fight every way I can, tooth and nail, to pull you out of hell's grip, because that is exactly where you're at right now. Amen. Amen. This is, this is, is simply put, this isn't about you. This isn't about me. It isn't about Rich. This is about God. And we as his followers in Christ are commanded to point people to Christ. We don't have the luxury of playing games with the Word of God. We don't have the right to use the Word of God in such a way as to make people feel comfortable in their delusions and in their sins. We have to be, as you said, Rich, narrow because God is narrow. We have to be exclusive because God is exclusive. If anybody hates that, go back to the Puritan Sinner's Prayer. You hate God. That's what it boils down to. So going back to God created man, created woman. Sovereign over humanity. Sovereign over what we will be as we are knit together in our mother's womb. In the, uh, in the garden, we have the fall. The fall brings a curse. Now that's something I'm gonna, we're going to address in a minute. But there was something that as you read about the fall and the curse that it brings, you even see something unique about woman. Something that makes her distinct from man. Genesis 3.16, God, say, uh, God speaking. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. You shall desire, your, your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. In pain you shall bring forth children. That is uniquely woman, uniquely female. The individual who thinks they're having menstrual cramps, as you said, Rich, will never have a baby. There will be no natural means for that individual to conceive. can never happen. Now, science might try to rearrange, it's going to sound a little crass, but rearrange the plumbing, so to speak, to try to accommodate something uh, grafted in someday. There are people that think, oh, we, uh, I want to be able to have a uterus transplant. I've seen people say this. You can never naturally do this. No matter how much you mutilate the body, no matter how much you try to transplant, you can never do this of your own ability. Why? Because God designed you to be a man. You can never be a woman. You can never be what God did not design you to be. And even in the curse we see that God says something unique 
about the about woman, about what he created them, one of the purposes that he created them for. You notice I say one of, because if I don't clarify that, a lot of screeching, yelling, and unhappy people will say, you just want women to be baby factories. That's not what we said, but they'll say it anyway. The point is, is that that is it, it, something that God himself says is uniquely female. And you cannot be a woman without this. You cannot be female without this. Now, that does not change the fact that there are many women throughout history and will continue even now who cannot conceive and that is heartbreaking, gut-wrenching. We're not ignoring you in this. We're simply pointing out that outside of the issue of the fall, which impacted your life, and take takes that from you as much as you want it. And we 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 understand, and it's painful when you cannot. Being able, you know, having the ability to conceive and not being able to, we recognize is extremely painful. But even the recognition that that's what you have internally, genetically. That's how you were built, and yet it's not working the way it's supposed to. Still reflects the fact that, that God designed you a certain way. And that's what makes you uniquely female. A man can hey, never brother. have that issue. Yes. One other thing I've always found very distinctive is that the curse of woman enduring pain during childbirth, having grown up around farms and familiar with rural lifestyles and having witnessed many different types of God's creation being born, whether it be horse, goat, cow, cats, dogs, and some friends within the zoo community. I'm other than a breach type birth. I don't know of another living mammal that experiences pain during childbirth other than human beings. Do you? I won't say with definitive knowledge on that. Um, it's, it's, it's possible. I'm not going to go and ask the bovine in the field if it's, if it's having pain when the calf is being born. I, I, can't, I can't say that with specificity. But we do know that the fall impacted all of creation. In fact, it's one of the next points we're going to bring up. So, but there is still something unique that he says he will multiply that pain in childbearing. So there is something uniquely uh, unique in the curse to woman as well, a result I'll, of the I'll fall. I'll add this real briefly. Uh, a friend of ours worked with, with zoos and we had some conversations along these lines about apes and primates giving birth. And, you know, like within two minutes later, they're back up swinging from the trees with their newborn infant ape in their arms. Yeah. And no visual signs of any discomfort of any sort going on during the course of that childbirth. But you ask anyone who's ever witnessed a woman give birth naturally without medication there is a quite a bit of screaming and yelling that mm -hmm. takes place during the course of that childbirth and i've always found that fascinating that distinction that's laid out in 
the word of God about pain upon pain on the woman during childbirth. And that's something evolution itself cannot explain adequately. Um, according to science, women experience pain in childbirth because of the way the hips have evolved over the years for a human to stand upright and it changes the angles of the hip bones and things along this line which doesn't really add up either but anyway i just wanted to point that out because i thought some of our listeners might find that as fascinating as i did i i, I absolutely agree now we talked a minute ago about or a few minutes ago about those individuals who have um there's the issue of, let me just put it this way, there's the issue of people will say, oh, well, you know, you, what about those individuals who are born with uh, both sex organs or high levels of estrogen or testosterone? They have masculine features but feminine, you know, uh, internal organs, etc. That That, they'll say, that's the proof that there's... A spectrum when it comes to gender that has that's no proof whatsoever I can I can actually show it to you biblically it's not proof at all because the fall changed the world it brought destructive changes to the world the garden that they once lived in was they were to tend it they were it was to, it was to provide for them but when they're turned out into the world Adam faces his curse Genesis three seventeen through nineteen, and he and to Adam he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I uh, have, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to the dust you shall return. All of creation was impacted. And we see that in the reflection that even trying to bring forth food from the ground would suddenly become much more difficult. Thorns and thistles, sweat from the brow, everything suddenly became more difficult. Because what was designed to be one way was impacted by the introduction of sin into the world and the fall changed the world. And we know this. Why? Romans 5.12 Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sin, death itself came into the world. We biologically begin to die the moment we're born. Our bodies are impacted by the fall. And so when you face these unique and yet gut-wrenching circumstances where a person has to try to live because of a genetic abnormality, a mutation in the gene code that says you are both and because you have too much testosterone, too, too much estrogen, but multiple sex organs, or some sort of combination thereof. It is not proof that there is a spectrum. Rather, it is proof that we are under the curse of sin. 
that our bodies themselves. Nobody points to cancer, for example, and says that's proof that there's a wide spectrum of healthy. Rather, they look at cancer, and I'm using an extreme, and I know people are going to get upset that I did. To quote Daryl Harrison, I don't care. Um, I'm using an extreme here. We look at it and we recognize what it is, an assault upon the body. Something that we did attacks what we are supposed to be. But yet now what we have always understood to be this genetic abnormality, this mutation, this thing that some people have to struggle to live with. And that's tragic when they do. And we do our best to come alongside and help biologically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. We try to help them through this process because there's so many conflicting factors that make life so much more difficult than what you or I would face. We try to come along and help these people. We always recognize that. Today we say, oh no, that's proof that there's this broad spectrum. No, it is proof of the fall. God made us a unique way. He designed us a specific way. And because of our sin, the fall impacted us. Go back to, you know, Denny Burke quotes Psalm 103. No that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. God is the one who made us. Psalm 139, 13 through 16. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when, yet as, when as yet there was none of them. Fearfully and wonderfully made, the entirety of our lives have been written in advance by the sovereign God of the universe. What, what makes a woman or a female? God does. God designs, creates, and forms in the womb a female. That is how we know. Because we look to the word of God and know that he has made man and woman, male and female, he created them. And we even see it, Rich, in marriage. We That he made and designed marriage. That we come together in one flesh. And why do we see it as God's design? Well, I'll tell you why. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 31 to 33. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. The mystery is profound, and I am saying that that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. When God made us male and female and he brought us together as one flesh in marriage, guess what that did? It painted a picture of Christ in the church. When Judge Jackson says, I can't define what a woman is, I'm not a biologist, when the world says, you, it's a broad spectrum of gender when a man who has physically tried to make himself look like a woman and has used uh, hormones to try and change things tries to claim 
that he's having menstrual cramps. What's going on? A, a people shaking their fist at the heavens and saying to God, how dare you define what is man and woman? Yet God says, I have made you man and I have made you woman to become one flesh. So you draw a picture to the rest of the world about my relationship with you through Christ and the church. So when the church is rich, you, you you were talking about at the beginning of the show, this whole critical gender theory, and that we, you know, I really don't uh, uh, disagree with you. We are going to see this entered in. And I think it will be uh, very likely that some will try to use it as a way to play games with the pulpit. They themselves are shaking their fist at God and saying, we're not going to let you define that. We're not going to let you define what the church is or what uh, what uh, our relationship with Christ is because, well, gender's broad spectrum. So this marriage thing, that's pointless. Anybody can be married. It's just a, it's a social contract. We, we don't need this picture because, you know, we, we know what we are and, and you want us to flourish and you want us to have life abundantly. And we can't do that if we can't define what we are. God determined and designed and created humanity to include our sex and gender. That's what it boils down to. We are shaking our fists at the heavens when we try to tell God, no, you did not. I know me better than you. I know what my gender is. My body just doesn't reflect it. This is not about accepting ourselves for what we think we are, and therefore we're promoting somehow promoting human flourishing, making ourselves feel better about ourselves. This is about submitting to God and recognizing that I don't get to redefine what He has made, things that He made for His for His purposes. Excuse me. When I try to redefine, this is about denying Him. But when I submit to him and I say, no matter what my fallen human emotions try to tell me, when I submit to him and I say, no matter what the world and its redefinitions try to tell me, when I submit to him and I say, I'm not going to look at the brokenness of my body, which is a result of the sin of sin in the world. When I submit to him and say, I am male or I am female. Speaking to the ladies here. When you submit to him, it's about denying yourself and the fallen state in which your feelings lie. Those feelings which are at best a faulty measurement of your identity and at worst an absolute lie which is leading you to rebel against God. You're denying yourself in that fallen state and that fallen sense of worth. And you're submitting to God. The one who created you and made you to be what you are. And the church needs to lead this. They need to lead the charge against this redefinition. I've said before, we need to not, we need to be able to say, this is sin, America. This is sin, government, what you're promoting. Why? Because God has defined it. And when you challenge God, trust me, you don't want to know what the results are going to be. We speak it out. And if you continue to challenge God, you'll stand before him one day and you'll be judged for every idle word that you spoke and you'll be judged for all the people you led into sin and you'll be judged for all the children that you damaged. It's better that a millstone be hung about your neck 
and you be drowned in the depths of the sea, then you cause one of these little ones to sin. This is what you will stand in front of God and be judged for. We must stand against this. We cannot be led into believing that it's more important to make a person to feel better about their chosen identity. And there are people now... I mean, there's an article, Rich, you sent it to me from a, a Big Shock Huff Post by a Kelly Ladd Bishop who defines herself as a preacher, teacher, and writer. And what's so interesting is it's an article about when, when gender theology is divisive and, and why that's okay. It's so interesting because she basically says there are things that are true and we have to stand on those and that may cause division. Wow, that sounds an awful lot like we what we say, except that in her case, she's saying, well, gender diversity and, 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 uh, and, and uh, equality for women, that's true, except she has no definition biblically of why those are true. True. But she's telling these people, this was written back in 2016, by the way. She's telling churches, it's okay to cause division if it's true. And her truth is a rebellion against God and his created order. The church can't be led into this path. The church has to recognize what people need most is a right understanding of who they are before God. That God designed them. God built them in their mother's womb. God gave them life. And no matter what they try to think of themselves, they have to understand what how God sees them first. And that God is the one who rightly sees them, and we lie to ourselves. If we fail to do this, if we fail to teach people what is about who they are before God, that He sovereignly created them, that we are fallen, broken, and busted, that we are sinners by nature, that we are in rebellion against him when we try to define who we are, we are leading people into rebellion. We cannot, we must not defy God in this way. The church has to be concerned with promoting the real truth, the biblical truth above all. And we have to call people to trust in God with who they are, their identity, and repent of the sins that challenge God. We have to be more concerned with that than anything else. Rich. Psalm 51, verse 4. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Amen. Think about that. Psalm 51, verse 4. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. What is evil in your sight? What is evil in God's sight? What is evil, the evil that Christ died, shed his blood, and rose from the grave again, so that you may be saved from the sin you have committed against a holy God because it is only through Jesus Christ that salvation is given by grace and faith in him alone, from him alone, to him alone, is salvation wrought. Amen. If you are in sin, reach out, plead to Christ to grant you the gift of salvation. Do it today, because tomorrow is not guaranteed. We None of us know the moment, the minute, the second that we're going to pass from this life into eternity. <laughs> And when we die, we will stand before God. It's not if, but when we stand before God. We will either be judged through the blood of Christ, or we will be judged through our sinful blood. And we will either spend an eternity in heaven, 
or hell submitting to and suffering the wrath of God. If you are not saved, plead to Christ to grant you salvation today. Go to your knees, go to your Bible, go to him in prayer and beg him, plead with him, cry out to him until you know that you've been given the gift of salvation. And read the Bible, follow what Christ teaches, follow what he commands, throw culture, throw society, throw philosophy out the window, read his word and his word alone and trust in it and believe it and pray God to open your heart to grant you understanding and truth. Amen. And whatever you do this week, make it a point to proclaim the way of salvation at least once a day. Amen. Amen. Folks, this was an important discussion because right now this is going on in our culture and this particular moment I think highlights the whole discussion that people really now don't believe you can define these things. We cannot succumb. This isn't about scoring points politically. It would be it was easy to do. Boy, she just set that up on a tee for conservatives everywhere. And it's still being talked about you know, days later in, in a society where we have this you know attention span of goldfish. She set it up on a tee and it's an easy thing for people to go after. But this isn't about that. This discussion that we had tonight is not about that. It's about recognizing that God is sovereign creator of the universe. He has made us male and female. He defines it, not us. There's no broad spectrum. There are two. And you were made fearfully and wonderfully by him. And anywhere in the middle where we see problems, that is a result of the fall and its impact on creation. And that should cause us to drop to the knees even more. Because we recognize what sin has done. It even impacted creation. And the created order. If we try to say, Oh, well this broad spectrum exists. What we're really saying is, This, this sin in the world has created all this. And I love this more than I, hate, than, than I want to admit that sin is bad. You are not helping people in their identity by affirming them in their delusion. You are leading them down the path to hell. Because they are refusing to admit God is in control. And for some people, this is heartbreaking. It is so difficult. The mental stress that they go through is terrible for some people. That's why they need Christ. They don't need hormone therapy. They don't need to butcher their bodies. They don't need the society to lie to them. They need Christ. Christ is the only one who brings true healing. We must speak the truth. God defines sex. God defines gender. God knows what a woman is. Turn to God to know those things. 
All right, folks, thank you for your time this week. We are so grateful that you tuned in. Uh, batten down the hatches, Rich. This one could get painful. <laughs> uh, <laughs> social media might explode the moment this loads, uh, but that's okay. We, we got to tell the truth, even if it hurts. So, folks, thanks for being with us. We really appreciate your time. We really appreciate your devotion to the program. But more than anything, we appreciate your prayers and your support. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for spending time with us. We look forward to talking to you guys next week. God bless you. Good night. And whatever you do this week, do it for the glory of God. We'll see you next time.